I uh, want to start by um, asking you, can you think of a time uh, when you were either lost or you lost something or someone? And I love having people like Corinne in, 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 the, in this house of God because she's losing stuff all the time. So she's a great, she's a great example. And uh, even yesterday, even yesterday, the dog was lost, but now is found, um, which is... Which, yes, which is uh, thanks to Facebook. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm sure you can think of a time. I don't know if you're anything like me. I do lose stuff quite regularly. I lost my wedding ring uh, in the Kefalonian Sea, much to my wife's joy. Um, and I now have a very cheap second-hand one. Um, and I can tell you of a number of times lost my keys and wallets and things like that, but my most memorable time of, of getting lost was actually when I was a kid. And um, when I was a kid, uh, my, my mum was taking me and my cousin and my sister to the Norfolk show. And the Norfolk show is a big event for Norfolk anyway. Um, uh, it's a big event in Norfolk, kind of ag- agricultural show, lots of kind of stalls, entertainment and things like that. Anyway, we were going there. And the reason um, we were going there which this is going to do loads of my street cred because, you know, you all think I'm the coolest guy in the world, obviously. Um, but the reason I was going there was actually to be part of my school Morris dancing group. How good is that? I think there's a little picture, actually. Um, you can't quite see me. I'm actually I'm on the one in the back, but it was the only photo we could find. But um, that maybe, maybe I should. Maybe I should bring back the uh, handkerchiefs and the bells. Um, this is my cousin at the front, actually, on the right, and Mr. Kelly. Wow, I wonder what if, I don't know if he's still alive, but um, Mr. Kelly on his, what do you call that, accordion? Um, and we were, yeah, that's why we were at the Norfolk Showgrounds. Uh, I know, cool, very, very, very cool. Um, but the, you can get rid of that picture now, because that's, that's enough. Um, just wanted to set the scene a bit. And we were going back to the car park to, to go back to the car, to go home. And um, once... Just checking. Once we got there, getting some funny smiles. Once we got to this car park, my, my mom had completely forgot where we'd parked the car. And you've got to think, this is a big event. There's thousands of cars. Completely forgot where the car was. Some people are smiling. They've obviously got similar stories. Dara and Yemi, you got some stories? The girls are laughing behind you. Um, so we're going to look for the car. And we're going, my mom's dragging us like up these lanes, different lanes, this massive, massive field of different, like, loads of cars. Up the lane, up the lane, down the lane. We cannot find the car. Anyway, literally kind of half an hour of looking, cannot find the car. So my mum thinks, right, these kids are a hindrance. I can't kind of keep dragging them along. I'm going to leave them somewhere. Less health and safety in them days. And so she left us with a steward. He was obviously trustworthy. He had, a, you know, a luminous jacket thing. You know, he must be, he must be trustworthy. He left uh, me and my cousin and my sister with this steward, and uh, she went off trying to find it. Anyway, 10, 20, 30 minutes later, still no sign of mum. She hasn't come to get us yet. And we then realized, when she later did find us, um, that she had been pretty much in desperation, right? The moments of kind of like fear uh, and desperation as she had lost the car, but then she also could not find her way back to the kids. She had lost the kids as well. So we didn't really know it, although we're kind of like, this mum's been a long, long time. We were lost. Um, mum had lost, 
lost the kids and the car. Anyway, eventually she finds a police officer who rings up a, someone there, the other police officer, to bring her car along. And she gets in the car. She, they drive around, eventually find us, the kids, with the stewards, who had kindly been looking after us for all this time. And then we jump in the car, got to get in a police car, that was quite fun, and drove us around all the lanes, all the lanes to again eventually find our car. So that was my story of, of kind of lostness. Um, my, what often happens when you have kind of stories of lostness is the word gets out. And so this is quite a well-known story within my family. Everyone knows this happened. But also, uh, kind of, the newspapers actually got hold of it. I think, granted, it was the Great Yarmouth Mercury, and they haven't got much to fill the articles, but they needed something, obviously, and they embellished the story somewhat. It said this, hapless teacher, because my mum's a teacher, hapless teacher loses car and kids. And, uh, and so that was in the Yarmouth Mercury. My mum uh, loves that story being told, not. Um, hey, that was my story of lostness. I'm sure you've got many as well. We were lost but we did eventually get found. And so today, uh, I do that as a, a real introduction, really, to, to what we're looking at today, which is this banner of lost and found. Uh, today, we're going to look at three stories Jesus tells um, in response to a, a kind of a, a question or an accusation, if you like, that is thrown at him. And what I believe from this is that we, we as his disciples, need to care about what Jesus really cares about. And so today, I'm, I'm hoping to actually go away from here, caring about what Jesus cares about, what, why he came, and why, uh, and what he has called us to as his disciples, as his followers. So we're going to turn to Luke chapter 15. These are very well-known stories. Luke chapter 15, we're going to be in verse 1, and uh, we're going to work through some of these verses, and they should come up on the screen behind us. Chapter 15. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. That's Jesus. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. This man receives sinners and eats with them. What's their accusation? Their accusation is this. Jesus, why, why are you hanging out with people like this? Why are you hanging out with people that are far from God? So he was spending time with the tax collectors, which, hey, none of us particularly like getting taxed right now, but they were even more hated as a people back then because they were quite corrupt and things like that. Why is Jesus hanging out with the tax collectors? Why is he hanging out with the sinners, the, the prostitutes, the mar- marginalized, the, the people far from God? They're saying, like, you should be hanging around with people like us, people who are holy and, uh, and religious and do the right things and... Uh, So that's the accusation that's coming to them. And so Jesus doesn't give them a kind of three-point sermon answer. He gives them stories. He shares stories in response to their question, their accusation. And so we get into this first story, the story of the lost sheep. We then go on to the lost coin, and then we look at the lost son or the prodigal son. So the lost sheep, he says, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, 
for I have found my sheep that was lost. So Jesus is, is, is answering their question. Why do you spend time with these people, these people far from God? And he gives this example of a shepherd. And so a shepherd who goes out, he's lost uh, one of his sheep. One of the hundred has gone missing. And so the shepherd goes to the sheep and he says, what are you doing, sheep? What are you playing at? Fix up, fix sharp, sort yourself out and come and get part of the flock and stop wandering off. Does he do that? No, no, no. No, what he does is he finds this sheep, which the sheep is probably hurt. It's probably fell down a cliff or a ditch somewhere. And he gets this sheep. And we see from the passage, Jesus said, he, he gets the sheep and he puts it on his shoulders. See, what Jesus is saying is, uh, uh, he's, he's putting himself in this story. He's like, I'm the good shepherd. And actually, some of us, even in this room, some of us that are not here today, we're, we're missing sometimes because we're, we're actually hurting. We're broken. We're people who sometimes uh, do silly things or uh, which get us hurt or sometimes we uh, things that are out of, our con- out of our control and we get hurt and, and broken and we wander away. And Jesus is saying we, we're, not to, we're not to be like those that, that, that actually condemn that person. No, no. Jesus goes and, and lifts them and puts them on his shoulders. Jesus, I believe, wants you to know that actually if you're hurting and broken, if you're actually struggling a bit, life's weary, he comes to carry you. He comes to carry you. He does not look upon you as, as condemned and an and outcast and say, come on, just, he doesn't kind of try and G us up and say, come, come on, come on, sort yourself out. No, 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 he wants to carry you. And so we then see that, that the shepherd takes this sheep back and, and is rejoicing. He's rejoicing that this sheep is now back a part of the flock. He's been found. Let's just move on to this next story, uh, the lost coin. What Jesus says, Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she's found it, She calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. So what woman would, who had ten coins and one's lost? And so she's, instead of just saying, Ah, that doesn't really matter. I've got nine other coins. Jesus said, No, no, she seeks diligently to find it. To find it. See, this is her livelihood. This is what her life is based upon. So she, she goes and she finds it. She does everything she can to seek it out. And then when she finds it, she rejoices. She celebrates. Finally, let's look at this, the parable of the lost coin. Uh, sorry, the parable of the lost son. Verse 11. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the youngest son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, 
He said, how many of my father's hired servants have, have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose, and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against you and and heaven, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. So I just, I've set in the scene here with these three different stories. And see, through these three different stories, although Jesus isn't given some kind of direct three-point answer, there are some themes, some common themes that we really get that come through these stories. We get this, that there's lostness. The the coin, the sheep, the, the, the son is lost. People are lost. People are loved. People are looked for. And people, when found, are celebrated. So there's four common themes that we see that run through these stories. People are lost. People are loved. People are looked for. And people, when found, are celebrated. So let's just start with people are lost. See, Jesus is responding to this answer. Why do you hang out with people like this? It's because people without God are lost. People without God are lost. And what happens is when people are lost... They don't live how they're created to live. They don't live how God had created them to live. See, each of us is created in the image of God, to know God, to enjoy God, to enjoy his, the good things that he had for us, has for us. See, he's a good father. He's a good father, and he, and he loves his children. He loves his children. We sang about it earlier, this love. See, God didn't just decide one day that he loved you. No, no, no. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are already in this perfect loving relationship. And out of that overflowed a love for people that he created. So he created you out of love. He created you in his image. And he wants the best for you. He wants the best for me. See, I'm a, I'm a father, recent, fairly recent, and... As a father, I want the best for my children. I'm sure you'd agree with that, fathers, mothers in the house. We want the best for our children. And so actually, we set boundaries for them. We set good boundaries for them. These boundaries, we change as we, they get older and things like that. And they might not always like them. I'm sure we've experienced that already. But they're for their own good. Good boundaries are for their own good. And God, as a father... He loves his children and sets good boundaries for his children to follow for their own good. See, he's not this kind of dictator or this, it's not like he gets some kind of kick out of it. No, 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 no. He does it out of love for their own good. And the thing is, if we don't follow these good boundaries that that God has given us, it ends in chaos. It ends in people getting hurt. Just uh, think of sport for a moment. Just imagine 
a sports game, a sports fixture, whichever one comes to mind. The reality is if there were no rules and everybody just did exactly what they wanted to do at any point and you have your own way of scoring a, a goal and things like that, it would be chaos. It would be absolute havoc. I just want to um, share an example uh, of actually not a sports game, but a, a board game. I don't know if you've ever played a board game uh, that ended in chaos. Well, I can t- share one with you. See, I was at uni and I was playing Monopoly, uh, obviously an epic game. If you don't know it, don't worry. But anyway, we've been playing for a couple of hours and uh, one of my housemates, I just see him take money out of the box and put it into his hand. And I'm like, what's he doing? Like, I kind of took a, took a kind of moment. I was like, has he just got past go? Like, has he just collected 200 pounds, you know? Or has he just landed on a chance card or a community chest? Like, has he just received, like, income tax or whatever it is that you receive in Monopoly? And I was like, no, no, he hasn't. And so I said, what are you doing? Why, why are you doing that? And he said, well, I just play the, I can take money out of the box when I want. I was like, what? That's not the rules. That's cheating. I could not believe it. I was like absolutely flabbergasted. And I was like, what? I, I was just blown away. Anyway, it, like I said, when thing, people don't play by good boundaries, it ends in tears and people get hurt. Well, let's put it this way. The game ended pretty abruptly. Um, a few choice words from my mouth that I won't repeat. Um, and the box and everything just went everywhere. It was like, what are you playing at? Like, when people don't live by the good boundaries that are set, actually it causes pain, it causes hurt, it, it actually restricts freedom rather than releasing freedom. And see, we live in a society where we think freedom comes from doing what I want, when I went, want, with who I want. We kind of say, well, you can't tell me that because I'm free, I want to do what I want. But the reality is when when we don't live within the boundaries, when we don't live how God has created us to live, that's not freedom. Freedom is living how our creator has created us to live. And so boundaries, God gives us good boundaries. Just like, these are obviously just a few of them, but just take the Ten Commandments. They're there for our good. <laughs> like, some of them are really obvious. Like, do not kill. Yep, that sounds like a reasonable thing. Um, that's probably a good thing not to do. Do not steal. You know, people get hurt when we take their stuff. God has given us these boundaries because he's a good father. And if we don't follow them, actually it ends up in hurt. It ends up in chaos. And we see from this story of the lost son who actually decided he didn't want to live within the boundaries. What happens? Things go horribly wrong. <laughs> Things go horribly wrong. See, he rejects his father. You know, when he, when he asked for, for, he basically asked for his inheritance. And what he was doing was basically saying, Dad, you're dead to me. It's like, you know, you only get the inheritance when Dad dies normally. And so he was saying, Dad, you're dead to me. I want your money. I don't want you. I want your things. I don't want you. I want your things. And so he goes off and does what he wants, does the things that he thinks will get, make him free and have satisfaction. And what happens? He ends in tears eating with the pigs. It's like he, he longs for the food of the pigs. How, how low have things got? How lost are you to then want to eat the food of the pigs? It's like, see, what he thinks will give him freedom ends actually with him being lost. 
And you know what? The reality is all of us, all of mankind have been or are like that son in that story. We've all rejected the father. We've all said, God, I don't want you, but I do want your things. I want the things that I think will make me happy. And so we have all kind of filled our lives with things and, and we've gone against the boundaries that God given us. And yet we actually lost, we've lost actually the way that God has created us to live. And we end up, can, we can end up being enslaved by these things. We can end up, these things have a hold on us. Take like money, for example. If, if money is actually the thing you're living for, it will have a hold on you. And if you get money, you'll want more money. <laughs> you'll want more money, you'll want more money. And money might satisfy, but actually you'll just want more of it because it won't fulfill completely. Take a relationship like, like John and Tanya just got married. I don't want to burst a bubble, but uh, it might have already been burst. I'm not sure. But, but the reality is, the reality is, if we, our hope is in a relationship, relationships are good. We're created for relationships. But if our hope is in that, the reality is we'll get to a point where we think, Either we don't have that relationship and so we're, we're never going to be content in life. Jesus never had a, a, a loving kind of relationship, husband and wife, wife, obviously. Um, and he taught a lot about that. And so we can either live discontent or actually we kind of get to the point of realizing that our husband or wife is not quite the, the fulfillment that we thought they'd be. It's like, what, what were we expecting? It's like, there's an there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a example of actually realizing that if we put our hope in these things, they will not actually fully satisfy. But God, God has created us for this loving, perfect relationship with him. You know, we can even look at people sometimes and think they've got it all together. They've, they've got it all, like the house, the 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 marriage, the, the good-looking husband or wife, you know, the, the, the money, the great job, the great car. Like, we think they've got it all. They've got it all. And yet the reality is they're lost without God as well. They're lost without God. I don't usually quote um, comedy actors, but Jim Carrey once said, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. It's true. It's like, that was the story of the lost son in that story. It's like, he, he went to do all the things that he did, could want to do. Spent it on his money and all the things he wanted, and yet did they fully satisfy? No. He was lost. And don't get me wrong, money, relationships, all these kind of stuff, they're, 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 they're good, but they'll fade. They will fade away. They won't ultimately go with us in the end. They're, they won't fully satisfy us because the father father loves us and he wants us to have this relationship with him and so he desires us to come and invites us it's like that invitation that came in our worship time he invites us to know and experience more of his love that's what we live for a relationship with him to enjoy and delight ourselves in god so Jesus, why, why did you hang around with people far from God? Why did you hang around with these sinners? Because people are lost. And because Jesus doesn't want them to remain lost. 
because he loves them. So your second thing I want to bring out of this is people are loved. People are loved. What effects does the lostness uh, have on the, sh- the shepherd and the woman and, and the father in the stories? Did they just kind of, eh, it doesn't really matter. No, no, it got into them, didn't it? It affected them. It affected them so much that it led them to do something about it. They acted. They acted. And because it mattered to them, it mattered to them that they, these, these things were lost. Jesus, why do you hang out with people far from God? Because he loves them, because these people matter to him. He cares for them, and he doesn't want them to be lost. <laughs> you know, it was love. I want us to get this, because I think sometimes we just, we, we say these words and we, we know them, but it was love, true love that compelled Jesus to die on the cross. True love. 1 John 3.16 says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. Romans 5.8, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Love. Love compelled Jesus to die for you. You and me. We were lost. We were enemies of him. Enemies. Just think of that for a moment. Someone, I think it came through our worship time, someone might die for a good person. We were enemies. We, we actually, and you might not even realize this, but you had rejected God. You had rejected the Father. You would said, I don't want you. I, want, I don't want you. I want my own life. I want to do what I want to do, what I want, with who I want. You would rejected the Father We'd rejected the best that he had for us. And yet love, love made him go to the cross. Love compelled him, compelled him to lay down his life for you and for me. True love leads to action. And we see in these, these verses that we just read in the stories that, 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 that love compelled the shepherd to go looking for that lost sheep. The love compelled the woman to look for that lost coin. That love compelled the father to see the lost son while he's still a long way off and go and embrace him and kiss him. See, the third theme that we're going to look at is people are looked for. People are looked for. See, if we put Jesus in these stories, Jesus is the shepherd seeking out the lost and broken sheep. Jesus is this woman who searches diligently to rescue that coin. Jesus is the father that looks out. He's looking out. He's, he's waiting. He's spotting for the son to return. And what, he doesn't just wait. He goes out and embraces him and brings him into the family. Jesus is actively seeking out the lost. He doesn't just talk about that there's lost people out there somewhere. He doesn't just talk about it. He he doesn't even pray about it. He doesn't even just pray about it. Hey, we need to pray for the lostness around us. But Jesus goes beyond that. Jesus goes beyond that. He spends time with people who are lost. He spends time with people who are far from God. And he had a rescue plan. He had a rescue plan. Jesus himself said in Luke 19 verse 10, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. 
See, Jesus, full of love and compassion for the lost, for the broken, actively seeks people out. You know, we know this stuff, but I want this to get into us and to sink our hearts with his. Because if we really get it, it will affect the way we live. It will affect the things that we prioritize. He cares for individuals so much, so much, that he gets out of his comfort. He doesn't let anything stop him from going them and pulling them out of their lostness. And I love this, but when Jesus tells us in these stories that when people are found, when these lost people are found, what do they do? They celebrate. There's a celebration. The fourth theme, when people are found, they are celebrated. You may have noticed in these stories that Jesus loves a party. See, every story ends with a celebration, a party, rejoicing. The shepherd invited his friends and neighbors over when he brought back the sheep, and he celebrates, he parties. The woman, she found the coin. What does she do? She invites her friends and neighbors over and parties. The father has a great big triumphant party when the son returns home. You know, if you think Jesus is a party pooper, you're wrong. Okay, I know Christians are known as party poopers. Jesus isn't, all right? Jesus is not a party pooper. He loves to celebrate, and he celebrates the things that really matter. And I want us to get this. He celebrates what matters. See, so often we try and we celebrate the things that actually they don't really matter. He celebrates the fact that the son has returned home, that the father looks upon the son and he, he puts his robe his robe of righteousness. This is a symbol. This is, this is saying this, this dress, this robe is like, the, it represents the righteousness of Christ. It's like, son, I give you this robe. You no longer, I no longer see you as a sinner, as dirty, as the one that was eating with the pigs. I now see you as perfect and clean and blameless like Jesus. This is the robe of righteousness that the Father puts on the Son. See, if you've given your life to Christ, he's taken that sinful status. You, he no longer looks at, on you as sinner. You are a saint. He takes your sinful status and gives you a righteous, righteous status. You are now accepted by God, not by your own doing, not by your own works, by the work of Christ, the perfect and finished work. Why does Jesus hang around with people far from God? Because he's, these people are lost. Because these people matter to him because he loves them. He cares for them and doesn't want them to be lost. When people are found, they're celebrated. Love that. Jesus sums up kind of all these stories, if you like, in verse 10, where he says this, I tell you, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. See, this is the thing that Jesus is celebrating, that when one, just one, just one turns to the Lord, there's a celebration in heaven. And you know what? This says before the angels of God. Actually, that's not the angels celebrating, although I think they probably are. It's God. God himself is celebrating over one sinner who repents. Jesus wants to make this point that at the, at the 
at the heartbeat of God, it gives him no more joy than when one turns to God. It gives him no more joy than when one person comes home to him and there's a party in heaven. You know, I've, I've uh, been in meetings where people have shared a story about someone giving their life to Christ. And people are, people are pleased, but it's like a little English uh, clap. <laughs> you know what? I think there's more like an eruption of praise and celebration going on in the heavenly places. Like there's, there is joy and praise going on in the heavenly places. We're like, yes, very good, very good. Yes. <laughs> there's a party going on in heaven. See, Jesus celebrates when one repents and turns to the Lord. I once was lost. I now am found. Jesus, why do you hang out with people far from God? Because people are lost. They can't save themselves. They need saving. Because people are loved. They, they matter to me, says Jesus. Because people are looked for. I'm actively seeking people out to rescue them, to bring them out of their lostness. In fact, I'll even give my life for them, Jesus says. And when people are found, it's party time. It's time to celebrate because this is the best news. I want us to get this, that Jesus is showing us that this is what really matters to him. So what does that mean for us in this room? What does it mean for us? What does it mean for that empty chair right next to you? What's our response? So maybe, maybe some of us, we've not, we've not truly come and surrendered to Jesus been around church but there's an invitation like an invitation in worship to come and know his love honestly it doesn't matter what you've done it matters what he's done it matters what he's done what Jesus has done he's taken your sins upon himself on the cross and there's space there's space for you in God's family He's prepared a room for you and, and he invites you to come home to enjoy a relationship with the one who loves you and has created you. What's our response? For some, I think there's a, a reminder here that we should be incredibly grateful, incredibly grateful and incredibly confident. You know what? Maybe some of us, we've kind of, we've just got a bit weary. We're maybe a bit like that that broken sheep, and we've kind of wandered off a little bit, but, but there's a reminder today that you were lost. You know, however long, I don't know how long you've, you've been a Christian for, but usually, not always, the longer we've been a Christian, we kind of forget what we once were. We forget we were lost and where we were kind of going. Today's a reminder that, that God loves you and looked on you and rescued you. He did that. He did that. See, you were lost, and we'd still be lost if it wasn't for Jesus rescuing us. Wow, thank you, Jesus. Because you are loved by God, you can be confident that he wants the best for you. He wants the best for you. He's a good father. He's a good father, and he wants the best for his children. And we know this verse, if God is for you, who can be against you? Thirdly, what's our response? I just believe for most of us, I think, 
our response is this. If this is true, if Jesus hung around with people that were far from God, increasingly, I believe we're to open our lives to people who are far from God. If we're to become more like him, if we're to be his disciples, to be his family members, to, to, to be missionaries, we're to be those who are growing more like Jesus, who care for the things that he cares about. And just want to quickly just ask you, just to, I guess, probe our hearts a bit, if you like, to see if how in sync with Christ's heart we are. Do you, do you pray for your friends? Do you pray for your families, your work colleagues? Do you pray for your neighbors who, who are far from God? Do you pray for them? How, how about do you, do you, do you hang, up, hang out with people or invite people over to your house who, who are far from God? When was the last time you spent time with someone like that? Have you ever thought of or, or invited someone to one of our Alpha courses or to church on a Sunday? Have you, have you ever thought about that or have you ever gone and done that and invited someone? See, this is why we exist, to make disciples, to play our part in seeing people's lives transformed in Welling and beyond, to see more people declaring, like we declare, I once was lost, but now am found. See, this, this means we need to spend time with people far from God, and it might mean some disruption to our lives. It might mean some disruption to our Sunday days. It might mean disruption to our midweek communities. And you might be thinking, Joe, Joe, it sounds great, but when am I going to do this? I don't have the time or the space in my life right now to be doing that. And I understand that. I understand that, that life can be full. Life can be busy. The problem is, when I look at Jesus' life, I think, if I want to be more like him, he prioritized time that he hang out with people that are far from God, people that were lost. And so I guess we need to too. And so it might mean some intentional changes to the, to the way we live life. It might mean some intentional changes to the way we spend our time, to people we hang out with, to, to the way we love and serve our community around us. We might need to stop some things and start some things. I just want to finish with this. I'm denied about whether I share this or not because it's, it's quite troubling <laughs> to hear these words that you're about to say. Uh, but they're provoking. They provoke me and I think they'll provoke you. There's a guy called William Booth who founded the Salvation Army. And he wrote about a vision that he had, a vision of the lost people, a vision of lostness. And he says this, I saw a dark and stormy ocean. Actually, Steve, can you just come up? Just play. I saw a dark and stormy ocean. Over it, the black clouds hung heavily. Through them, every now and then, vivid lightning flashed and loud thunder rolled while the winds moaned and the waves rose and foamed, towered and broke, only to rise and foam, tower and break again. And in that ocean, I thought I saw myriads of poor human beings plunging and floating, shouting and shrieking, cursing and struggling and drowning. And as they cursed and screamed, they rose and shrieked again. And, and then some sank to rise no more. And I sat 
And I saw out of this dark, angry ocean a mighty rock that rose up with its summit, towering high above the black clouds that overhung the stormy sea. And all around the base of this great rock, I saw a vast platform. Onto this platform, I saw with delight a number of the poor, struggling, drowning wretches continually climbing out of this angry ocean. And I saw that a few of those who were already safe on that platform were helping the poor creatures still in the angry waters to reach the place of safety. On looking more closely, I found a number of those who had been rescued, industriously working and scheming by ladders, ropes, boats and other means more effective to deliver the poor strugglers out of the sea. Here and there were were some who actually jumped into the water regardless of the consequences in their passion to rescue the perishing. And I hardly know which gladdened me most. The sight of the poor drowning people climbing onto the rocks, reaching a place of safety or the devotion and self-sacrifice those whose whole being was wrapped up in the effort for their deliverance. As I looked on, I I saw that the occupants of that platform were quite a mixed company. That is, they were divided into different sets or classes and they occupied themselves with different pleasures and employments, but only the very few of them seemed to make it their business to get the people out of the sea. But what puzzled me most was the fact that though all of them had been rescued at one time or another from the ocean, nearly everyone seemed to have forgotten all about it. Anyway, it seemed that the memory of the darkness and the danger no longer troubled them at all. And what seemed equally strange and perplexing to me was that these people did not even seem to have any care. That is, any agonizing care about the poor, perishing ones who were struggling and drowning right before their very eyes many of whom were their own husbands and wives, brothers and sisters, and even their own children. Wow. Jesus. Father, right now, why do you, why do you, Jesus, why did you hang out with people far, far from God? Because you loved them, you saw their lostness and you loved them because you seek them out and search for them and looked for them and when they were found they were celebrated can we just stand for a moment I'm just going to hand over to Dio in a minute but there's an invitation right now to to come to Jesus to maybe maybe you've never surrendered your life to him surrender your life to him. Maybe you have and actually now is a moment to surrender. Surrender again that your heart might be more like his heart. (laughs) That we might, this kind of vision that I've just shared of from William Booth might cause our hearts to to be so full of, of, of of a desire to see the lost, loved and celebrated as they're found. Just invite you, Holy Spirit, now. Maybe Steve could play a song, but Holy Spirit, now, would you come? Would you break our heart for what breaks yours? This isn't about some kind of 
Try better. Come on. Come on. Try better. No, no, no. This is not that. This is when we see the love of God for ourselves. Hey, we want to see that love for other people as well. Lord, would you stir our affections again towards you? Yes, we're going to go away from here and we need to think about this. We need to think about how we spend our time and and who we spend our time with. See, you spend time with the lost and the broken and the hurting. And so you're calling us too as well as your people, as your followers. But, but right now, would you cause our hearts to be filled with your heart, with your love? Let's sing and, and then we'll pray. <laughs>